Let's take our Bibles this morning, turn to James chapter number 4. James chapter number 4 as we begin to look into the Scriptures. I believe I'm going to be back in this passage of Scripture uh, for the afternoon service. And um, I do want to encourage uh, for some maybe to be able to take the next step of faithfulness uh, to be able to be here, stay around for the afternoon service as we get back into the Word of God. And uh, it's not the same service. I know in several places churches think that because we have a 10 o'clock service and a 12 o'clock, we just turn around and preach the same thing. And uh, we don't. It is a totally different service. And then avail yourselves of Thursdays, whether you can make it to the 11 o'clock service or the 6.30 at night. And uh, as we're studying in the Word of God, going through the book of Philippians right now, and uh, we do have our memory verse for this week, and so let's be paying attention to that. But Take advantage of the times that we get together, open the Word of God, and study what the Bible has for us, and uh, let's be faithful, okay? And so James chapter 4, if you found it, let's stand together, and uh, we're going to read the first eight verses. Maybe we'll read the first seven verses. Now nah, we need to keep reading. We'll keep reading down through here, probably down around 9 or 10. Verse number one says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, The Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. I want us to come back and look with me at verse number 8. And uh, why don't together, why don't we read these first eight words or so, ten words or so, in verse number eight, where he says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. You ready? Let's read that together. You ready? Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Let's read it again. You're doing wonderful. Read it again. You ready? Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. I want to preach on this subject matter. It's listed there in the bulletin on how close to God are you? How close to God are you? Let's have a word of prayer, and then I'll share a few thoughts from the Scriptures. Father, we love you. Lord, I'm thankful so much that we serve a God that desires for us to be close to Him. He does not push us away or, or intentionally hold us at arm's length. But Lord, He gives us this statement here that if we'll draw nigh to you, you'll draw nigh to us. And Lord, I pray that we would examine our hearts and our lives this morning about this subject matter of how close are we? 
in reality. Lord, may we be honest about this this morning now. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It seems like in Christian society today, there's a lot of catchphrases that people will use, and we've gotten very comfortable in using them to describe our walk with God or our position in Christ. Many times we have these scripted responses that do nothing but draw us away from the reality of how we are truly doing in our Christian life. It's responses like this, that if we ask someone, how you doing? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. That doesn't tell me anything about your Christian life. Or we say this, how's your Christian life going? Well, I'm not where I should be, but I'm trying. It doesn't do anything. Or we say things like, well, I'm not getting the victory I desire, but I'm trying. And really all of those statements are just deflecting straight statements because we don't really want to answer the question to anybody else, but let alone ourselves, on how we are honestly doing as a Christian and those that profess the name of the Lord Jesus. You can talk to people all across our community, and they'll tell you that they're saved and they're a child of God. Well, I I just don't do everything I'm supposed to. Well, I, I know I don't go to church. I heard this statement recently. I don't go to church, but I've never been closer to God than I am right now. Can I say this? According to the Word of God, those two statements do not equal each other. Well, and the statement is today, well, I don't have to go to church to be a good Christian. And someone once responded to that and said, you know, I don't have to go home to be married either, but it sure does make it a whole lot sweeter. And we see statements like this. I believe it's time for us to truly examine ourselves on an individual basis and answer the question, how close to God am I? But then may I flip the question around, and if I were to ask you, how close does God say he is to you? If God were to give the answer today and God were to stand here and and, uh, he would be honest with us because he cannot lie, And he would have to answer the question, okay, how close, God, would you answer truthfully? How close is Peter to you? Would I be afraid of the answer that he would give and say, well, I haven't heard from him all week? Well, you know, I I, I gave him a Bible to be able to read, and this is everything that I want him to know, and he hasn't even opened it up all week. And you know, the thing that I love and died for, the Bible says he gave his life for the church. He hasn't even been there. How close is Peter to you, Lord, if he were to answer? But as we look in James chapter number four, we see this statement in verse eight, where he says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. I believe that there's some evidence 
in James chapter number four that we can use in our lives to say, okay, how close to God am I? Sometimes we look at it and say, well, I'm pretty close to God, but we haven't read his Bible. We haven't spent time in prayer. We haven't spent time around the people of God. We haven't done one thing for the cause of Christ and living for God in the past week or month or year. Yeah, I'm pretty close to God. If someone were to ask me, uh, Pastor, how close are you and Miss Crystal? How close are you in your marriage? And anybody can ask me that anytime. I have no problem telling you. And then I'll tell her what to say to make sure we have the right answers, okay? <laughs> People come up and ask, hey, how close is your marriage? And, and we get asked that. And if I were to be asked, you know something? I would give you the evidence of how close are you. How close is your marriage? Where's the evidence of that? Well, I'm pretty close with my wife. I haven't talked to her all week. If you not talking to your wife for a week draws you closer together, there is a bigger problem in your marriage than what you realize, okay? We always look for every opportunity. And I know sometimes I don't want to sit on the phone and that probably be the one frustration, not one frustration, there'd probably more, that Crystal would probably tell you, I, I'm really, by the time I get done a day, I'm about talked out. And I'm like, okay, I'd rather send you a text right now. Not if we're sitting in the same room, but I'm thinking I've been talking all day long. I don't want to just sit on a phone for the next hour if we're talking. But I thought in our relationship with the Lord, what's the evidence that we could look at and say we're, we're, we're close to him? There's some already sitting here this morning, you're, you're already looking at your heart saying, you know, how, how close am I really to God? I'm in church on a Sunday morning, but that's about the extent. I come to church on Sunday morning, I, I don't open my Bible, I don't, I don't read anything throughout the week, I, I say a prayer and thank him for our meals I mean, if that's the extent of it, then ask yourself, how close do you really think you are to God? He desires for us to be close. And there's a few things I noticed in James chapter number four in the verses that we read as we start in the first three verses, verses one through three, and I'm not going to read all of these again. We just did. But look what he says at the end of verse number two and into three. At the end of verse number two, he says, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss. That means emptiness or with the wrong motives that ye may consume it upon your lust. I believe one of the tests that we can give ourselves on how close to God are we is what is the motive behind the prayers that we make. What's the motives behind our prayers? You say, well, pastor, I pray all day long. Okay, but what's the motive behind that? There are several people, they go to church every day of their life, but what's the motive behind that? Are they trying to gain favor? We read here that you ask, but you don't receive because your motive for asking is wrong. God, I, I need a vehicle. God, would you provide me a vehicle? And God, as long as you're listening, can you, can you make it a Tesla? Because you know if I was driving around in a Tesla that I'm just going to get respect and that people are going to look and that's the whole, that's the wrong motive. I was talking to several 
of the young men age group, and I say young men from about 20, I think 20 or 22 was the youngest one, maybe up to about 35, and they were still in that, that life, uh, um, not life change, but that life situation of, I want this car and name it a Maserati, or, or uh, I want this Lamborghini, or I want this Ferrari, and they were talking about things, and they said, they said, Pastor, don't you know that so-and-so's husband, he drives a, uh, he drives a Maserati. I said, I don't care. I said, it ain't even better than my Kia. It gets me from point one to point two. And I said, we're able to make it. And I said, I'm not worried about that. I said, let me remind you on this. I said, we've told our kids, and I said, it's been said for years. I said that an ugly ride's better than a pretty walk. There may not be everything that we always want, but an ugly ride. Now listen, there's sometimes we go before the Lord, and we may be spending time in prayer Can I say a good evidence of how close we are to God is what's the motives behind our prayer? Are we just going to the Lord and spending time in prayer and all it is is just a grocery list of everything that we desire for God to give to us? It's almost like we're sitting down and and, uh, I saw this. She's down in junior church, but I saw Lennon a couple weeks ago, little Lennon, and uh, she was sitting there with a toy magazine. How many remember way back? I'm talking way back when there were actually magazines you had to look at before going to a store to be able to see what you wanted to buy. And she was sitting there with a toy magazine and she had her Sharpie that had been given to her by her parents. And you know what she was doing? She was going page by page and there were circles around things. You know what it's for? Christmas is coming. And she was circling. Miss Crystal Astor said, is all, those, is all those things the things that you're looking at and you want for Christmas? She said, yeah. And every page had something that was sort of, hey, we remember doing that, didn't we? Hey, some people still do it today. Husbands and wives will just happen to leave that magazine laying out with that thing circled or something like that, laying on the coffee table, hoping someone's going to pay attention to it and be able to say what it is. Or we don't do that today. We go to the Amazon wish list. And you're exactly right, Miss Hannah's smiling back there. We just put it on the Amazon wish list, and we're hoping the husband or the wife gets on there and sees what's on the wish list. Or we share it on social media oh, I'm not asking for anything, then why are you sharing your wish list? You see, sometimes that's how we approach God. Sometimes we approach each other, kids will approach their parents just thinking that they're a nonstop bank that's just going to be buying everything and just shelling it out and saying, hey, get this, get this. But then sometimes we go to God And sometimes our whole motive of just going to God and spending time in prayer is just to say, God, would you just give me, give me, give me. Listen, our prayer time ought not to be a selfish time that we come before God. Do you understand God gave us the ability and the privilege of prayer because he desires fellowship with us? Before there was sin here on this earth, God would come down with Adam and Eve and physically walk in the cool of the day in the garden with Adam and Eve to be able to fellowship and to be able to talk with them. But sin broke that time. But now God's given us the ability to be able to pray and to be able to talk with God. And listen, it's a shame when we're spending time with Almighty God and all we do is have it as a one-sided conversation telling God everything that we want instead of 
going before him and just talking with him and fellowshipping and spending some time with the Lord. Listen, you can tell how close you are with the Lord by the motive behind the prayers that we make. You say, well, I'm not completely understanding that, Pastor. Well, let me bring it down to an earthly relationship. What if every time you came in contact with your neighbor, he was asking for something? Hey, do you have such and such a tool I can borrow? Hey, do you have such and such that I can have? I don't have it. Can I have this? Can I have? And every time you see that person, all they do is ask you for something. How many of us would almost start going out of the way that we didn't start seeing them? That we didn't start giving everything because, listen, the motive wrong. Oh, we want to be friends. We had we have good friends of ours over the years, and uh, we've had we've had very good friends of ours, and they've possibly had a whole lot money than more money than what we've had at certain times in our life. And you know, sometimes we've cultivated that friendship, and they had a very hard time cultivating a friendship because always in the back of their mind was. What do they want? And it couldn't be. And to this day, I don't know if they've ever bought us more than one or two meals, but I went out of my way, whether I could afford it or not, to make sure that I paid for the meal because I wanted to make sure, hey, you're not just my friend because of what I can get from you. I'm not just looking at things saying, hey, if I cultivate this over here, a little bit of networking, boy, we can work that out. No. I wonder sometimes if in our relationship with God, God looks at us and says, listen, I'm not just a 911 up here. I'm not just a free ATM machine. I'm not one that you just go to and say, God, I want all of this. He's saying you have not because you're asking a miss that you may consume it upon your lust. It's just a selfish desire. We start looking and saying, hey, how do I know if I'm close to God, the motive of our prayers? But then can I say this? Second of all, starting in verse number four, we see how close we are to God by the level of desire that we have for a relationship with the things of this world. You say, what do you mean the things of this world? He starts off in verse number four, and he uses words that none of us would ever like to be attributed to us. Can I say this? I I, I don't have one desire ever for the term adulterer to be applied to Peter Chamberlain. Never once. That's not my my aspirations. That's not my goals. He starts off in verse number four. He says, ye adulterers and adulteresses. Boy, that's some hard language, isn't it? You say, what do you mean? Are they cheating on God? That's exactly what they're doing. And when it comes down through here, he says this. He says in verse number four, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, when we say, okay, I want to be close to the Lord and we're judging our own lives, we're examining ourselves, we would have to say, according to this passage of Scripture, how close am I to the world but say I want to be close to God? How close are we having one foot over here in the world and one foot over here with the things of God and saying, but God, I'm close to you. Let me ask you something, wives. If by the end of the week, your husband comes back to you and says, honey, you ought to be proud of me this week. 
I was faithful to you 75% of the time. How many wives here would be thrilled to death and throw them a little chocolate and say, there you go, I'm so proud of you? No. What would it be at the end of the week if we came back and, and someone asked, well, what were you doing with all your time this week? You must have spent a lot of time with your wife. No, I spent about five hours with my wife, but there was this lady at work that I spent 30 hours with. Now, hold on. You say you're married to this one over here, but you're spending the majority of your time over here with this woman. How many would say there's a problem in that marriage? How many would say that term adulterer and adulteresses would actually be fitting over here? It would be. And what God is saying is, listen, you're desiring to spend more time with the world and you're loving the things of the world more than you're loving the things of God. And we say that we're close to God. Well, I, I would have to say I'm pretty close to God. Okay, well, how much time did you spend with his book this week? Well, no, I didn't even open it for the past two weeks. I mean, I even forgot it going to church. But good thing I have it on my phone. Well, I, I, you know, I, I'm pretty close to God, but I didn't talk to him at all for the past three weeks. Would say there's something wrong. But yet, we spent all this time doing the things of this world that we want to do. And we spent all this time with the things that satisfy the flesh and satisfy us as a human being. But the things that God is pleased with, we would have to look at and say, well, I didn't really spend much time on those. But I'm sure I'm pretty close to God. Well, I believe that we can look in the Scriptures and you ask yourself, what's the motive of my prayer life? And we would look at ourselves and say, what's the level of the desire that I have to be with the world? Listen, if there is a more of a desire to be with the people and the things and the vices of the world than what there is to be with the people and the things of God, then there's something wrong. And I know I keep coming back to the husband-wife relationship. And listen, I'll turn it around now. I can't get off in it this morning. Listen, if you as a lady desire to spend more time texting and chatting and fellowshipping with some other guy in your life than you do with your husband, there's something wrong. The same way there's something wrong if we desire to spend time with the world and not with the things of God. Oh, we're not real close. I feel like we're growing apart. Why don't we ever be honest and say that with the Lord? And say, God, I feel like we're growing apart. Now, whose fault is it? Is it God's fault or our fault? It'd be ours. But then I want to say this. He starts off in verse number 6. And he comes down all the way through verse number 10. And you say, how can I know if I'm close to God well, a good test would be to check the humility of our hearts. Because the Bible says in verse number 6 that God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Let me ask you something. How close do you feel to someone who's always pushing you away? 
Can I, can I use an example? Come here, Brendan. Do you mind being used as an example this morning? I want you to feel real close to me. Come right up here. Okay. So I want, and we're pretty close, aren't we? Would you say we're physically pretty close right now? Okay. We're pretty close. Okay. So I believe that God desires for our relationship to be close. I'm talking about between me and God. So let me ask you something. If he has a desire, and I want you to try to get as close to me as you possibly Uh-oh. can, okay? I want you to try to get close. You're pretty good at these I'm pretty good at these, okay? Why do you think I didn't choose someone bigger than me, okay? And so, and, and it's going it's, it's to be simple, okay? So why don't you try to start, just start coming, just try to get close, okay. okay? So just keep trying to get close, okay? Now listen, let me ask you something, let me ask you something. In this right here, do you feel close to me? Nah. No. Okay? Now here's the thing. The Bible says God resisteth the proud. And then he turns right back around and says, draw nigh to me. But then over and over, he says, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Now, so many times we try to go before the Lord. Thank you. I appreciate that. We got a close relationship. So many times we try to go before the Lord and we're so full of ourselves. It's almost like God, you're sure honored to have a relationship with me. God, I'm going to let you spend five minutes this morning with me. I heard a preacher one time, and he was in a busy time of his life, and he made a mistake, and he publicly acknowledged it, and he said, I'll never do that again. He was in the middle of something, and he was busy, and he was. And his wife walked up to him and said, I just need a minute. And here's what he said. He looked at his watch, and he said, go. He said, I've never done that again. (laughs) It was a, never mind. How many know that they don't really mean never mind when they say never mind? Because then it's like, okay, then you didn't really need to talk to me. No, that's not the never mind that they're talking about, okay? I think sometimes we feel God ought to be so honored because we put in five minutes. When what God is saying, would you draw nigh to me? And I'll draw nigh to you. Check the humility of our hearts. Now listen, this resisting, you're not close to someone who's resisting you. Okay? So if God's resisting you, God resisteth the proud. But can I say this? In the same passage of Scripture here, he says in verse number 7, he says, resist the devil. This applies to both. God's resisting the proud. He's telling us to resist the devil. What he's saying is we, we ought to desire to be close to God, but as far away from what we can from the devil. We ought not to feel close to the devil and close to the world and close to the things that are out there. No, we ought to be resisting those things and saying, God, don't please don't resist me. I'm of humble spirit. And Lord, I just need to spend time with you and draw nigh to God. How close are you to God? As I look down through here, and I'm going to close with this, I want you to see at the end of verse number 8, he says, ye double-minded. Double-minded. Do you know what double-minded is? You just can't make up your mind. 
You want this and you want this, and the two aren't coming together to be able to reconcile it. And I noticed that as we look down throughout the Scriptures, and I looked at these three things, and I looked at how they apply to our hearts and lives. Listen, he uses the word double-minded. We want to have a time of prayer, but we make it selfish. We want to love God, but have everything of the world also. We want to be close to God, but we won't humble ourselves before him. We, we want this, and I believe people genuinely want to be close to God, but they want everything over here too. And we can't have both. It's not that in the Christian life that we say, oh, it's the best of both worlds. No, it's not. If you think that you have the best of both worlds by walking with God and having everything that you desire in this world, you are so deceiving yourself about how close you are to God. The Bible reminds us in Luke chapter 16 that we cannot serve God and mammon at the same time. He said, you'll choose to one and deny the other, or you'll love the one, you'll hate the other. You can't do it at the same time. So how do we get close? Because listen, as God was working on my heart, I started doing an inward search and I'm saying, God, I need to be a little closer to you. You know something? You may be sitting here this morning saying, I'm not as close as I thought and I need to get closer to God. Well, let me make mention of it because I don't want to just leave it off like that and not give you anything. So give me another 45 minutes and we're going to just give it. I'm just kidding. Don't worry. See, I'll smile now. Real simple. How do we get close? Learn to pray without selfish motives. Just go before the Lord and spend some time with him. He's wanting to hear from you. You say, what do I have to talk to God about? Tell him about how your day's going and talk to him just like you'd sit there and talk to me. You say, well, I don't know how to pray. Well, just start off. I mean, you can be driving down the road. Don't close your eyes, though. You can be driving down the road and just say, Lord, boy, it's, it's been one of those days. And God, I've sure gone through this. And, and uh, Lord, this situation, go ahead, talk out loud if you need to. Just like you're talking to God. Just like someone's sitting right there in the seat next to you. Start talking to God without selfish motives. You know, sometimes like you want your husband to listen to you. You don't want him to fix it. You don't want him to give his input. You're just saying, I just need to talk to you for now. Why don't you start talking to God like that? Now, here's the thing. God is going to take care of things. And it'll be amazing how he'll work through all of that. Start talking to him without selfish motives. Number two, separate from the world so you can get closer to God. You say, I need to get closer to God. There are some things in my life, and I need to get closer to God. Then listen, it's going to take a conscious decision. If I'm going to get away from one woman that I'm spending too much time with and draw closer to my wife because that's what I've identified as the problem, it's going to take a conscious decision. No, I'm not spending time with you. I'm going back to my wife, and I'm spending more time here. A conscious decision. Why don't we do that with God? I'm going to spend more time with God than I do anything else. Well, I, I can always give up five minutes in the morning instead of reading Facebook because the world completely changed overnight, didn't it? I mean, you shut Facebook off at 12 o'clock at night, and by the time you picked it up at six o'clock in the morning, the whole world changed. 
Or we could say, I'm closer to that than I am the Word of God, so it's going to make a conscious decision, and I'm going to start spending more time here and maybe doing this first before I do anything else. I want to get closer to God. And then finally, can I say, don't live a life that's so full of pride that it's all about you, that God is so honored to be able to have us and spend time with us. There's been some people that I've come in contact with. One of them is my wife that I thoroughly enjoy spending time with. But you know, if it got to the point that I'd rather spend time with you than I would my wife, something's wrong. And we look at things and listen, life's not all about me. It's about the Lord. It's not that God's honored to spend time in my presence, but I'm honored to spend time in His presence. And it's not all about me. Make your life about God. Draw closer to Him. Now listen, if you've realized maybe in your life today there's some things, maybe I'm not as close as what I think I am. I do my religious duty. I, I spend 30 minutes listening to a message on a Sunday morning, and that's, that's good enough for the week. That's not very close. Can I say it's not all about being in church? And let me finish this statement. See, Pastor said it. But I will say this. I found out the more I'm in church, the more desire I want to be able to be closer to the Lord, be able to spend time with Him, realize how good God is in my life, and I'm so much better with the Lord than I am without the Lord. I'm saying, Lord, would you help us to draw nigh to God? He'll draw nigh to us. Is there an area of your life you'd say, I'm just not as close? Be honest with yourself. I'm not close to the Lord. Then what are you going to do about it? Or are we just going to identify it? I'm not close to Him. Well, I'll just try to do better. And trying never comes. Or are we going to say, I'm not close to the Lord, but I sure want to get close. And here's the steps I'm going to take to draw closer to the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior and you need to be saved today. You need to be His child. There's a reason you're not close to Him. You're not His child. Maybe the Lord would speak to your heart and you need to get that settled today and say, Pastor, I, I need to know Jesus as my Savior. Get it settled for all of eternity. Boy, it's a great day to do it.